0: Hello and welcome back to Tension of Opposites. I feel like this should be followed by a cool, catchy intro, but nothing really comes to mind yet, so I'll think of something. If anyone has any ideas, please, please do let me know. This first comment is to all the fellow podcasters. This is my third episode, and I hope this will be the first one that will not be a second recording episode. So, the first time I had recorded an episode and the quality was so bad that I had to redo it. And the second time I had recorded the entire episode, and then, I don't know, it just didn't feel right, I wasn't in the mood. So, my question is... How do you manage to get to a point where you manage to do weekly episodes and I feel like I need to be in a specific mood? Otherwise, it will just not come out right. For instance, I posted on the Instagram handle, at Podcast my podcast in studio, which is basically a computer, a USB microphone, and laundry behind me, so it can kind of absorb the echo and reverb that comes from my voice. And now I feel like I need to be at that point where I have laundry behind me, otherwise I cannot record an episode. It's a good incentive to do laundry more often, so I guess that's good, but... It's really hard to be ready to be in that mindset to be able to sit down and reflect upon a specific time period, like it has been for the first two episodes. As I said in the previous episode, I am describing the chart that you are presented with when you begin your year abroad. The chart that is supposed to explain how your year will be like. You have a peak at the top, honeymoon period, culture shock recovery adjustment, and adaptation. So where did we leave off last time? I was at the end of my cross-country season. I was starting to notice that as the season was ending and new seasons were beginning, everyone was kind of taking their distance. And these were people that I generally considered as my friends. And it's interesting because this morning I had a very impromptu chat with the girl that I was talking about in the first episode. The very, very first friend. The one who did cross-country and the one who convinced me to do cross-country. And through her, I met all the other friends. And we were just talking exactly about this. We were all friends, but then it seems like once there isn't a purpose, something that keeps all the kids together in one place, then everyone just like, goes their merry way. To me, it was new. It wasn't something I was used to, so my shock begins sitting at cross-country practice looking around seeing that everyone is starting to kind of break off just thinking oh my god I have to stay here an entire year and it just dawned on me altogether. I think the culture shock can be described with the disappearance of anything that was novelty. Once the novelty wears off both for me and for the people I was surrounded with, for the ones who had taken interest into seeing where I was from, interested in my accent, interested in in my opinions, but always being the foreigner. That's who I was. That's when the hard period started, because you do realize at the end of the day, you are in a very tiny town, and yes, they have amazing creativity to just come up with new things to do, but at the end of the day, there isn't really much to do in such a small town. So... Once the season ended, I did not renew with anything. I didn't want to do a club. I didn't want to do the sporting season because for me, that was literally only my excuse to make friends. I loved the experience of cross-country, but I just physically did not like doing cross-country and running long distance. I did only one race. I would either pretend that I was sick or I was actually sick because I had a lot of allergies at the time. This was the beginning of... Of of the tough moment, but culture shock is still okay-ish. It's just, I think, a bit bittersweet because you do realize that you start going towards your own path, both with the family, with your friends. Nothing is really new, so I guess the thing that sticks with you is the fact that there isn't anymore that excitement. Even if they tell you that the honeymoon period is just a honeymoon period, you still think. Nah, but I mean, it will be like this. It has to be like this, because how can such an amazing period last so long? Because three months in total is a really long stretch of time. And so you keep thinking, okay, maybe for them it was that way, maybe in general. Of course, I'm bound to have some problems, but you're so hyped up that you don't possibly think that there could be another way of living this. Also, you feel like everything is going great, that you're doing things right, that you must be doing something right you're making all these friends, they're inviting you to all these places, they're so interested in you, and yes, you're shown off as this new thing. So when you start perceiving the loss of interest from people, and it's not something done with any harm, like there's no intention to do harm, it's just in the beginning I think people are more interested to see the new thing, the new foreigner, the exchange student, rather than meeting a new person for the sake of meeting a new person. They've seen you, they've met you, they've interacted with you, they can say that they know you. And then after that, it's kind of like everyone goes back to their life. So you feel like, okay, but everyone was interested in me, everyone wanted to talk to me, and now what? Now now where do I go? Who I'm interacting with? So you do pass the corridors, you do know all these people, but it's like, hey, hey, and that's pretty much the end of it. I didn't really know who to hang out with as well because in the beginning you are just distracted by the fact that everyone wants to be with you and you don't really know how to manage your time, you don't know what to give priority to, you do understand that everyone hangs out pretty much with everyone so you just want to go on this explorative mode. Once the interest starts to fade you also see that everyone is kind of sticking with their new people but... How can you know after three months who are going to be the people that you want to hang out with permanently? I was finding something nice in all the groups that I had. And the thing that was the most interesting is that they were all diverse, like every group served a different purpose in a sense. So you would be talking about different things, you would be doing different kind of activities after school. But then at the same time, they had their closest friends. And so there would be some sort of Okay, yeah, but why are you having lunch with them and not having lunch with us? I wasn't very good at managing that. The culture shock comes with a lot of mixed feelings because you don't really know how to deal with this loss of novelty that you have with regards to the new town, the new family, the new friends that you have, and especially that they have for you. Once you have the realization that you stay for an entire year, It's also difficult to communicate those kind of feelings to your friends and family back home because you've been basically boasting about how amazing it is for the first three months. Everything is great, everything is great, everything is great. So then when you get to a bit of a slump, you also feel like there's really nothing much you need to say about it because you're like, okay, the perception is there. You've sold it that way. Everyone is convinced that everything is going amazing. So you don't even know how to bring it up. The cross-country season soon comes to an end. No new sports, no new clubs to join. Now it becomes really only school and family and friends. And in the meantime, you're trying to understand who are your friends. You're starting to see that maybe some friendships that you made start to break off in this very unnatural yet natural way. As in, this is just the way that it is. But at the same time, there was no problem with you specifically, or you had no problem with them. But given that no one really explicitly says hey this hurts me you know that we're not in contact anymore you're not close to anyone that much you're just in this this limbo a bit with everyone school it sneaks up on you it is easier i mean in my experience it was an easier school year but the method is so different that still it takes it takes you up by surprise you don't realize that you actually have all this load of work. And to me, the main difference was that subjects that I was studying weren't as hard, but they required a lot more actual practical work. For instance, I'm not used to having assignments every single day that need to be handed in every single day and everything is graded. So if you have an A, It is based on every single assignment that you give in every single day. And if you forget to do one, it's okay, but then you're going to be taking off points. And so then you have to do other assignments for extra credit. Every assignment needs to be turned in. And sometimes you just, I don't know, you forget or you don't have time or it's not something that is mandatory, like you don't get a bad grade because you don't turn in. But at the same time, if you don't turn it in by a certain time, then points are going to be knocked off your grade. I didn't really understand the dynamic in the beginning. So, everything seemed to be working well the first quarter before the break. Between October and November, my grades aren't really going that that amazingly. I have to start working a lot harder. There's a lot more assignments. There was a senior paper that I had to do the first semester. There was a much bigger load of work than I was used to. At the end of the school the semester before this break, there are these exams. The results are not incredible. And then at that point, I was feeling a bit as the one who was slacking. It feels as you were slacking even more so, because our perception of what the school system in the States is, is that it's so much easier. You just have tests, everything is with multiple questions, you don't have any oral tests. And so the idea that someone from abroad, going to this place that is known as, oh, the school is so easy, you don't really do anything, and then on top of that, you're not really doing amazingly. And you see the other exchange students that are doing amazingly. There was just like all this like sense of shame, because I could see that they were getting some really high grades, as I was in the beginning as well. But to think, okay, <laughs> two of the classes are ceramics and culinary. Culinary, for example, we did not cook the entire first semester. The first semester was only the safety measures and procedures. So it wasn't that interesting. And it was actual studying. So I remember that I wasn't taking that seriously, and then by the end I was like, oh god, I didn't do it well. But I remember looking at the first, like, I think it was half semester, to see that there were some grades that were low. All I wanted was for my host family to be proud of me, for my actual family to be proud of me. I didn't even have any excuse as to why my grades were stacking. I think I was just in a very groggy mood because I wasn't understanding. I didn't have, like, a set group of friendships. I was still getting to learn if I liked the other exchange students, if I was enjoying it. I was starting to feel a bit homesick. A lot of things that factored into me not getting some really great results. I did not know how to explain that. I could be a very good role model for my little sister. Because my little sister was eight years old and the idea of the family was okay. We really hope that she can grow into a very nice, educated, polite girl that wants to travel, that can travel, that can afford these things, so they were expecting that by seeing me as an example, someone coming from abroad, someone doing these kind of experiences, she might be inspired to do that as well. So I think there was a little bit of pressure as well. At that point, I started getting also very self-conscious, I was a bit more quiet, I was a bit disappointed in myself, because they are textbook things of what you're supposed to do, So you're supposed to take the interesting classes, you're supposed to do sports, you're supposed to do clubs, you're supposed to have all these friends. And so, given that it started off so amazingly, you think that in your head and in your timeline, already three months have gone. And you think, okay, by now, I should have already accomplished this, this and that. I should have my set group of friends like, and I bring it back to watching TV series, movies, everything that is American-ish. The thing that comes to mind now immediately is like Lizzie McGuire. I should already have my two, three best friends I hang out with. One other big problem that comes to mind now is that I did not have a car. Now, small towns can be small. It was 40,000 inhabitants. And I was actually living outside of the actual city. We were more in the residential area. And so still something around 20 if not 25 minutes by car to get to the school. There is no public transportation, nothing that is convenient in using. I didn't have a school bus because I was outside of the district of my high school. So everything had to be done by car. I was 16, so by that time all my friends had their own cars. I did not have a car. Even if you got the driver's license, to be able to pass the practice, you had to drive six months with a guardian, if I'm not mistaken. It still wasn't going to help. We didn't have many cars, so I couldn't just use the cars as I please, so it was becoming a bit complicated. Not having a car in a small town, where it's a small town but it's spread out, so something that would take three minutes by car, it takes you 20 minutes on foot to walk and you would never, ever walk, was really hindering to doing any kind of experiences, given that I was living outside of this town. There were some other people who lived in my area as well, So sometimes I could catch a ride with them, but I had to organize everything by can someone please come pick me up? Can someone please... And my family was very busy as well. As I had said, it was a very important moment uh, professionally for both my mom and my dad. So they were changing careers and they had other engagements. They had other two kids they had to take care of. Other two kids they had to either take to daycare or take to school. They had their own lives. Obviously, they always tried to help me if they could, But they always told me, if you can manage to make it and work it out on your own, we would prefer it. Even at the cost of, you know, if someone takes you home, we can give them money for for gas whatsoever. So it was becoming complicated because that would have been feasible if I had actual friends that could take me and take me back. I had people who lived in the area, but we were all in this very weird mood where you don't really know if you're friends with them, like you've shared a lot of important moments in your view, important moments, but then at the same time... It's not declared that you're super friends and now that you don't even have the excuse to spend so much time together every single day, it feels even more awkward and that you're still shy. I mean, you're still the new kid in your head as well, so you feel uncomfortable having to ask. So that also blocked me from doing more experiences and hanging out a lot more. When it comes to the actual going out with friends, that was another thing that I had really a hard time coming to terms with. The fact that there isn't really much taking into account the feelings of other people. (laughs) Even when it comes to something as stupid as, okay, let's go get some ice cream. Okay, sure. I already feel like I'm putting myself so much out there by reaching out to someone, calling them, texting them, being like, hey, do you want to organize something? I already feel very uncomfortable, especially because in the beginning it was offered to me a lot. Like, let's do this, let's do that. It never really came up to me to do anything. In this case, I was like, okay, this is a, it's a bit of a slump. It was expected. They told me that this was going to happen. So what can I do now? How can I be the better student, the better host, daughter, the better friend? So I was really trying to put my effort into understanding how I could change the game to quote-unquote make up for lost time. You would manage to organize something with, with someone. You would either... Go to the movies, go to a diner, and go for a ride. (laughs) Those were the three options in general. You managed to convince someone to come pick you up, namely someone who lives even far away from you. So for them, it's even a big hassle. They have to stay driving like all the way out to go pick you up and all the way in and all the way out again. You do understand that hassle. And sometimes it would generally happen that, say you want to meet at 4 p.m. Then 4 p.m. rolls around. This person does not show up. They didn't tell you anything, and then at a certain point you text them, you're like, hey, so what's going on? And then they're like, oh, oh yeah, no, sorry, something happened, I cannot do it. Okay, sorry, bye. And you just feel like you want to die inside. By this, I hope I'm not offending anyone. This is just how the things work. I am not talking about any one person specifically. This has happened many, 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 many times with many different groups of friends when I was there. That's just the way that it is. I don't think it passes through their mind where they're like, oh, okay, I'm really sorry, but this could happen. Or saying someone, okay, there might be this issue or whatever. It's just a culture that technically nothing is a really big deal. And given that I have been there since other times, it's just something that happens. You can't really 1000% trust what someone is going to say when you're making plans. It's something that irritates me because I had not been accustomed to that. Also, I didn't have to ever organize anything so much when I was back at home. I had my parents that had to take me places, or either I would get public transportation. But when you organize something, if there would be a fall through, you would have to explain yourself, you would have to apologize. That's just how the cultural norms are. In the States, it's not the same mentality, and sometimes it gives you more liberty, as in, you don't have to, like, feel guilty about certain things. Sometimes things just happen and that's the end of it. They don't even require that much explanation. But then on the other hand, especially when you are a kid, doesn't even know if she has possible like actual friends. To be ditched so much and so often, even if I fully know that it wasn't done with any kind of meanness. They have cars that are shared with family members. They have other things they need to do. They have actual chores. They have actual jobs, which I did not have. All my friends who I knew there, they had been working since the age of 14. They had other things on their mind. In hindsight, I 1000% understand. I feel like such a brat, thinking how offended I would be like that, because in my head, it was something that was directed towards me. Oh, they don't want to hang out with me. Oh, they have this problem with me, when it's just a more complicated thing than that. But being ditched over and over and over, over and already emotionally difficult time, complicated time where you, really, you don't feel that you're comfortable with anyone because if you were to complain or express your feelings to your family or your friends, you would fear that either your family or your friends felt that they were not doing enough and it simply wasn't their problem, it was something that you were going through. And then at the same time, you don't even want to let your family at home know that you're going through a rough period because there's nothing much they can do about it as well. The only people that you feel that you can 1000% fully and honestly talk to, express your feelings, empty out all the things that you're carrying in within yourself every single day are the exchange students. There's no one else you can feel as comfortable and as confident to just express what is going on. Especially because being vulnerable is not an asset. It wasn't encouraged and it's just something that At the same time, you're just trying to go on your race. Show that you can do it. Show that you are doing the year abroad in the right way, in a sense. Sometimes it wasn't even the exchange students that I went to school with. There was this girl that was from my same country, and she went to another high school. And in hindsight, I'm so glad that she actually went to another high school, because you do feel that you are kind of put up against each other. Even if you're not doing it consciously, The other high school students see you as an exchange student. So for them, it's like, oh, yeah, you like those other girls, right? And so they kind of like put you up against each other. And so to have someone that was in your same town, in your same experience, and you didn't have that sense of competitiveness, but she understood exactly what you were going through was such a beautiful thing. And then at the same time, we still had that famous Facebook group. Remember the one in the in the first episode where I was saying they would post all, and when they all got picked for their host families, they would post it on this Facebook group. They would say, oh, I finally found my new family. Everything is amazing. Everything is right. The second that we got into the culture shock moment, that Facebook group, I should really look through it again. That Facebook group suddenly became like a self-help Facebook group. And it was very weird because we felt a lot more comfortable talking to People that we had never met, ever. We Sometimes we would be doing some calls together, but we never met them. We would rather write it on a status on this Facebook group than express our concerns to our host family, to our friends, to our family back at home, to the coordinator. Even the coordinator is a figure that, after what we had been through, she was just someone I was not interested in having any conversation with. We had some mandatory meetings that we had to have once in a while, some events, some bonding moments. But it's just, after what had happened, I genuinely had no interest in having a relationship with her. Another thing that was happening is that some exchange students were doing things that were against the rules. I don't remember what were our rules. I know that for some agencies there was stuff like, you can't do drugs, you can't have sex, you can't go to parties. Also, I mean, how are you going to check that? But it's very often that the police comes into parties. I never went to big parties because if there was anything with alcohol involved, it would create a problem because I was sixteen. One big difference between partying back at home compared to partying in the States. I kinda fully admit I never really fully went to like a party until the end of the school year. Cause that's how careful I was. No I'm kidding, it's just I was very <laughs> I was so scared that something was gonna happen. Is that In my home country, you can't maybe do things as spectacularly as you would do them in the States, but then at the same time, there's a lot less regulations. Like In Europe, the idea of drinking alcohol when you're younger, when you're 14, 15, is really not a big deal. It's something that comes culturally with events, with dinners, and it's not seen as a big deal. In the States, you have the freedom to do these gigantic things To have a car since you're 16, to go on these long road trips, to have so much independence and liberty. And yet, things that come to regulations and actual rules about drugs and alcohol are really taken so strictly, which is something that I never really understood. When we had gone to Mexico, the Mexican culture can be seen as more European in my view. So even the relationship with alcohol is pretty much the same. I remember there was this time where the sister of my host mom had offered me some wine. The host mom, she was like shocked. And, and, and she said, well, I mean, she drank wine before. <clears throat> and then she was just saying, no, but you don't understand. She is my responsibility. What if something happens? I could never make it up to the mom. She is my responsibility. I have to make sure that she's okay, that she is safe. And so no, she cannot have alcohol. I did appreciate they had tremendous respect for my parents, which is something that I've always... They saw me as part of their family, but they always saw me as the kid of somebody else's parents. And truthfully, they tried to live up to those expectations. They tried to be as respectful of me and as respectful of my parents as a byproduct of that. I was touched by that, but then at the same time, I was still a 16-year-old. I was like, dude, I've had wine. <laughs> I've had wine since I was, I don't know, 13. Like, It's not, it's not seen as a big deal. When it came to cigarettes, for instance, cigarettes were a big thing um, when you're a kid, when you're in high school. I had smoked cigarettes before. Cigarettes are just one of those things that make me laugh so much because you are literally forcing yourself to like something that tastes disgusting. If you smoked a cigarette once the first time, you cannot say that it's a nice thing to smoke if you're actually smoking it correctly. And I do remember then the first years of high school, we would be going out with our friends, buying these like uh, this pack of cigarettes and trying to smoke these cigarettes. In the States, instead, cigarettes are seen as the devil. I don't understand why, but they they would call them cancer sticks. It was just seen as something that was, in general, very gross and probably more related to people who were really like, doing drugs or heavy drinkers. Not really sure why, but it was so funny to see that... In, in my home country, I had to kind of like hide away from my parents and that's something that you would be like smoking secretly with your friends. And then when I went to the States, it was something that it was more like smoking secretly at home because you were shunned if they found out that you were smoking cigarettes. Weed, on the other hand, oh, everybody smokes weed. It's such a big thing. It's amazing, whatever. And even there, there are regulations about it. What I knew is that we couldn't go to parties, like big parties we were caught by the police. That was going to be a very big problem, and of course, weed, alcohol, drugs, and whatever. You would have a beer every once in a while, but having such heavy regulations on a place where, ah, oh, we need to protect our freedom, our freedom is the most important thing, it will get the opposite result. So obviously, when people would drink, when they would be going to parties, they would get absolutely shit-faced. And that was the aim. Every time you wanted to drink, if there was this moment, the fact that everything was so prohibited... The second that they had access to... I mean, we didn't really have much of it, was like beers or... Nobody even drank wine, because I mean, when you're a teenager, you're not really appreciating wine. The idea was like, you have to get as shitfaced as you possibly can. And those are the stories around it. And that's when you're the cool kid. Oh, you went to a party with alcohol. Given that, I knew that if I was going to be in a situation where there was alcohol, it would be drinking till you are shitfaced. And sometimes the police came, it's very common that the police comes into parties. I couldn't find myself in a situation like that. So for me, it was more doing it with a smaller group of friends. But again, I was always very fearful, very careful. I goody-goody, I didn't really do much. We have heard of exchange students that were sent back home, though. If they were caught doing drugs, if they were caught at a party, we never knew, we could never pinpoint exactly who were the ones that were sent home. But these stories were trickling down. They were coming in as the exchange year went along. We were getting genuinely worried that something could happen. Some people had some really bad stories with their host families and they got sent back home or they decided to go back home just because they couldn't bear it anymore. It sends you the, the message that you're not technically supposed to be creating problems. You don't need to find yourself in a tricky situation in a problem because if you ended up in a problem then you are fucked. It's on you then. No one is really going to be coming to protect you. You just need to be careful that you don't do something messy. When there were issues with host families, I was very fortunate because when I was in my second host family, we never really had problems. They gave me liberty to do whatever I wanted to. And I remember they were saying, we're just going to let you do you. Do as you wish. I'm not going to give you curfew. I'm not going to give you chores. You have to take care of your own things. So with anything that you cook, you clean. Anything that you wash... You know your laundry and stuff like that you do it but then we're going to take it we're going to play it by the year so if then there's something that you do wrong and then we have a problem with then we're going to deal with it one by one to be honest it's a method that i would suggest obviously it depends from exchange student to exchange students i have heard of some shitty exchange students that have started doing parties and doing drugs from the second that they got into a new family so I don't want to be only always on the side of the exchange student. I'm just saying that there's less protection towards an exchange student than an adult. And if there's going to be a problem between an exchange student and the host family, they're most likely going to believe the adult compared to the teenager. So that is always something that is on my mind. And that method for me was very effective because to me, in my head, it said, okay, they trust me. They are trusting me to be able to do my things and I want to do my things right, because then I know that if there's going to be one strike, then we're going to have some problems and I don't want to get to that point. So I was always very careful of how I talked to them, how I managed my time. And also I wanted to try to spend some time with them as well. They didn't really do much as activities. I'm super grateful that we managed to do all these road trips together. I think that's really when we bonded as a family. But other than that, they always had very heavy schedules. They had very young kids. So our spending time together was either sharing a meal together at home or with family or with friends or going out for, for a meal or going to the movies or watching a movie at home. That was pretty much how we spent our time together. Having kids in that sense was interesting. It was a bit hindering to doing more things. That we would have wanted to because obviously you always have to take in account the fact that you have a younger kid. And if we were to go places, we had to be mindful of how much time we could spend in one place. And But at the same time, it was cool to see certain activities that were done through their eyes. Whether it was like a recital or a class project or the eight-year-old having her friends at home and birthday parties. It was interesting to see that aspect as well. I'm happy that I wasn't in a family where they were siblings that were my age. I know of people who have had some really nice moments together, but especially when you're going to the same school of your host brother or host sister, that could create some issues, it could create some clashes. So I'm glad that I ended up in the situation that I did. We have another break for Thanksgiving. We get to the holiday that I really, truly enjoyed. I think because it was the first time I was experiencing a holiday that went out of a religious component. I don't think the history of Thanksgiving is very nice in itself. I think they sell this story of sharing a meal together, which is probably synonymous of mass slaughter that happened at the time. But for me, it was my first new holiday, synonymous of their culture. For Thanksgiving, the auntie I talked about, the makeup artist in LA, had come over and my dad's mom, and some relatives who lived up north. Everyone came over and I got dressed, and we shared this meal, we cooked some things together, there was this huge turkey that the mom had prepared. And I remember this moment where we were sitting around the table and then they were saying, okay, now we're going to take turns to say what we're thankful for. And I had never had that before! I think there's such a difference in expressing feelings. Sometimes they express it also too loosely, like they would literally see someone on the other side of the street speak a little bit and be like, oh god, I love you, man. something that comes so natural to be speaking your mind constantly, whereas in other cultures, or at least in my experience, it wasn't something that was as encouraged. So when I saw them actually openly saying what they were thankful for, what they were happy for, and I was mentioned in some of these things they were thankful for... Just tearing up, and I was so happy. And then it gets to my point, and I was saying, You know, super thankful to be able to share this moment together. And you just have this group of people that are looking at you, that they're listening to what you're saying, and you're saying something that would be deemed like so cheesy. And you're like, Oh, God, It, it was a beautiful moment, and it was my favorite holiday, 1000%. I had never experienced eating to the point of being in a food coma. Really? I thought that I had done it, but getting to the point where you cannot even lift a finger for how full your body is of pumpkin pie, of eggnog, of turkey, of stuffing, cranberry sauce, and it was debilitating, but it was pure bliss. I was so happy, so we just ate at around lunchtime, we had this gigantic meal, and then we spent the rest of the day sitting on the couch, staring at the TV, and watching movies as a family. That is when I realized that I completely, fully belong to American culture, because that is my definition of a dream. Thanksgiving is the last Thursday of November. Soon after that, we get to the day that I remember vividly because I wrote it down on my diary. (laughs) It's uncanny how I remember the specific moments in which I moved from one phase to another. We are still within the culture shock phase, but as I explained before, I would divide it in two phases. So we have the culture shock period where you're not that much an observant of American culture, of this new way of life, but you're becoming an active participant with its ups and downs. And then you have the crisis. November 30th. I had met with my friend My friend from my same home country, we had spent the afternoon together. I think she had come to my house at a certain point. There had been a fight between my mom and my dad. Something that would happen every once in a while. Even in that case, I don't think I was as accustomed to seeing everything so openly when there would be a discussion. I could hear them, and that obviously would make me uncomfortable for the discussion within itself, but also because... These are not my actual parents, so you don't really know how to act after that because they were fighting and you just feel uncomfortable so you're in your room. There was this one time that the 8-year-old came into my room with the iPad. She was like, okay, what should we watch while they were fighting? And it just made me think, god, like she had already like developed some certain coping mechanisms. It's something that is absolutely natural when you go into the family. Of course, they must have kept it maybe a bit to themselves in the beginning, given that I am still an outsider who is getting into their family. So all of us were trying to play a role in the beginning. I wanted to be the person that they could be proud of. They wanted to be present members of the family that would take me out, that would make me experience these things, that would bring me on trips, that would make me meet their family and so on. But then at a certain point, it's bound to get to a moment where you're showing... And not even your true colors, but you're just showing the extension of yourself. And so, I guess, given that I was already in this mindset where I was already seeing everything a bit darker, to me, it just came off as harsher as it actually was. It was just discussions that would be occurring between a husband and a wife. But I remember, yeah, she had come into my room and she was with the iPad. She was like, okay, what should we watch? And I just felt very uncomfortable because then you don't know how long you're supposed to wait before you get out of your room, before you talk to either one of them. You don't know what happens. That specific day, my friend had come to my house after both of them had left the house. It that had been a bigger fight than usual. Probably, like, the biggest one that I had maybe heard, because obviously I wasn't, like, actually witnessing the fight. And they had, I think, both left. I was at home. I was with the kids. I started telling her, I'm feeling a bit sad. I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable. I'm starting to miss home. It's getting a bit complicated. I felt like I wasn't really going anywhere with anything with the school, with my grades, with my friends. A bit also with the family, maybe. I feel like I was letting them down. And so we have this moment together. And then at a certain point, they told us, like, listen, we're going to be going out for a bit. Can you babysit? And obviously I was home with, like, the girls. They come back, and they come back with a tree. They're like, we want to build a tree. We can do this family activity together. It's as if they had talked about it. They had solved it. It did feel a bit like this, like every time there was a bit of a discussion. In general, not only them. It always had to be marked with like an action. It's like, okay, okay we're over it, we, we've made peace, what can we do? It was this mixture of events that happened in the same day. The fact that I was feeling uncomfortable and tired and homesick. The fact that they had fought and already that was something I was not accustomed to and did not know how to deal with. The fact that Christmas was coming around. But I had never put up a tree so early. So they come in with the street, which to me is the symbol of, this is your first Christmas away from home. And I break down. I break down so bad. They left the tree. And then they'd gone out again to go buy dinner. My friend was waiting for her family to pick her up. And I just start crying in a way that I had never cried before. It had killed... Every part of me, everything just came crashing down, because it was a mixture of all these things. And I do... (laughs) This this is very awkward. Um, I had a habit of saving everything at the time. All the movie tickets, everything. And I I think in my room in this box, which is a box I called of all the items of the year abroad, there is still a plastic bag where there (laughs) (laughs) there are some tissues that I used that I had cried on like... Because I, I had cried so much. And then I can remember closing them in this bag and I put like the date. Th- I don't know what the hell was wrong with me. That was the beginning of the crisis. They put up this Christmas tree after this fight, which I was still trying to process the fight within itself. And instead it seemed that they had managed to get over it. And I was like, no, okay, now we're a happy family again and we're going to be doing this tree. And to me, putting up that tree meant I am celebrating Christmas away from home now that I feel so vulnerable, that I really miss my family. I'm hit with the strongest homesickness that I've ever had in a long time. At the same time, I was also getting sick very often still, because I was just not used to like the change of weather and the desert allergies and so on. The last month before the semester... I had picked up things again, I was managing to get some decent grades. I managed to save basically the semester. I wasn't failing, but I had managed to make it a little bit better, but still, I could have done better. So I was feeling very guilty about that. It was basically one break after the other was fall break, then there was Thanksgiving, and then there was Christmas. Christmas comes about. I don't even know how I feel about it, like for me it's more of a religious celebration for them it wasn't, like religion wasn't a big component of it. The fact that there wasn't that ritual that I was used to was different. I didn't know in terms of gifts or non-gifts what I needed to buy and it just seemed a bit more consumeristic than I was used to. It wasn't that much buying great gifts, it was buying a shit ton of gifts. That's what I remember. Especially for the kids. Some family had come over for Christmas as well. We had this Christmas Eve dinner together. And the day after I wake up, I'm not really feeling very well. And I noticed that other people weren't feeling well as well. We felt sick from something that was in the food that we had eaten the day before. So I wake up late because I was feeling a bit sick. I go on the couch, iPad, call my family. My family replies all together. And like in unison, they're like, Merry Christmas. And I just start crying so much. I just literally just (laughs) like that. I was so, 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 so miserable, and I think I scared my mom at that point. They were like, don't worry, don't worry, it's okay, it's okay. So we had a very brief call because I was basically crying throughout the entire, the entire call. I go outside, we open the presents with everyone, but I was just feeling so shitty. I don't think I'd ever felt that bad. I spent all afternoon in bed sick, as other two had done, so to me, it's the worst Christmas that I can remember. It has nothing to do with the family, of course, but then it's always something that every Christmas that has been since, I'm like, nah, can never be as worse as, th- as that one. Like, that is my, <laughs> my flag, Christmas. But the homesickness at that point, it kills you inside, as I had mentioned before. They suggest for you not to visit your family, like, never go back to your home country. And also for your family not to come visit you, which is something that usually they do because it's been so long, you really miss your family. But it's something that can make or break your experience. If you see them, it's over. Like if you have a reaction that is not healthy, like the homesickness doesn't get better by seeing them, it's over. I know of some people who have gone back to their countries after seeing their family at Christmas just because they could not take it anymore. Keep in mind, you're still talking about teenagers that are doing an entire experience on their own. Entirely on their own. I was lucky I didn't have that much of a problem with the language barrier. But if I think that even on top of that, you have the the language barrier, not being able to express your feelings or probably not being able to understand what people are communicating to you. It's something that is so destructive that it's really, really hard to recuperate from. The only thing that made me feel better was the fact that there were these other exchange students that I could rely on, that we were basically all in this together. As for New Year's, we celebrated with the exchange students over the Christmas holidays. I wasn't really in contact with any of the friends. Everyone went back to their to their thing. One thing that I wasn't accustomed to was that school would start so much earlier. I think school started second or third of January, and because I had applied as a student who was legit transferring from Europe to the States, I had to take this exam, I think it was the ACT's, a three-day exam period, and you had every day a different task. So one day would be about language, one day would be about math, and another day about another thing that I don't remember. But it was the first time I was actually having a written state exam. That's how I started my school year, (laughs) by doing this exam. And I don't remember when we got the results, but thankfully I managed to pass. Once school has started again, things didn't change, but you get to a point where you just accept the defeat, in a sense. The crisis is a crisis... Because you still have this intrinsic struggle where you're trying to make up, where you're trying to understand what maybe you did wrong, where you're trying to overcorrect something that you might have missed, that you might have not done correctly, that you might have not paid attention to in those beginning blissful months. When you've hit rock bottom, where you feel that you're not at one with your family, you don't really have friends, you don't have anything you can really hang on to, and friends-wise... The whole aspect of ditching is even more destructive because you would think that in normal times you would be like, listen, you, can, you don't want to hang out with me, then fuck you. But in that case, you cannot. You need to smile and pretend that nothing is a problem, that it's okay to be ditched for the 10,000th time. Because what other option do you have? Like, you don't have other friends you can rely on. Dynamic is pretty much the same for everyone. When you get to that point of, like, really, really, really hitting rock bottom, as Rachel would say, there's rock bottom... 10 feet of crap, and then there's me. When you get to that point, under 10 feet of crap, you do get to a point where you just accept things. You start appreciating a lot more random acts of kindness. Some days start to go well again. Sometimes you realize, okay, maybe I have not given enough attention to those people that in the beginning of my experience were actually really genuinely there for me all the time. Maybe they just saw that I started hanging out with all these people at the same time, and they thought that maybe... That meant that I was not interested in them, whereas for me it was just I want to savor everything, I want to meet everyone, I want to do everything. The second semester picks up and my mom and dad were going to come visit me. They had purposely waited for Christmas break because they knew that it was ill-advised, that it could have been detrimental, so they come the end of January, they come the thirty-first of January. I think it was confirmed the beginning of January that they were coming, And I was so excited. I don't think I'd ever been as excited in my life. So the month preceding that, I genuinely started to not give a damn. Even if things weren't going well, even if I was having some complications or complaining or discussing with friends or with family, I genuinely did not give a damn because I had this goal. I knew that my parents were coming to visit me and there was nothing that would have stopped that. The moment comes, my parents land, and then they drive from Vegas to my house. They arrived in the evening, and I was just basically at the door, so excited. They weren't going to stay at our house, they were going to stay in a hotel. There were a bunch of casinos in the area. And I remember the moment where they park in front of my house I see them get out and I jump at them like I was so excited. I start crying and like, oh my God, I felt like an eight-year-old. I remember feeling the sensations that I would have felt, the excitement of an eight-year-old when I saw them, when I saw them pulling in the driveway and I just run to them. and I give them this gigantic hug and (laughs) me and my mom start crying. And then to see the moments where there's this crossover and you see my dad seeing my host dad and it was so funny. Like, the first thing I noticed was like, oh wow, they're so different in size as well. Like I, My parents seemed so much smaller <laughs> than I remembered. It was indescribable, the level of joy that I felt that day. And so we just said, hi, hi. They came in for a little bit and then they went to the hotel because it was quite late when they arrived. When they came to visit me, that was the pivotal moment of my exchange here because to be able to see it from the perspective of someone who has been on the other side, to be able to see your past and your present coincide, meet, bond over this one thing that is me was something that I had never felt before. So I could see them get along very well, and I was super happy about that. And then they got to meet my host sisters. They got to meet my parents. We went out for dinner, and then we had gone to Grand Canyon. I had never been to Grand Canyon. We did this really long trip with all of them together, and Grand Canyon was breathtaking. And to be honest, it might be the only point that we have, but it is incredibly breathtaking. So beautiful. We stayed in Bullhead three, four days. They got to meet the exchange students, which made me super happy as well. Every time it was always like going out to a diner, going out for dinner. And then we left. We went on a mini road trip and we went to Las Vegas for a couple of days because my dad was going to leave before my mom. Overall, it was a week, I think. So then when we go to to Vegas, it's just the three of us. We spend, I think, a day there, and then my dad leaves soon after, and then it's only me and my mom. I cannot express how much I miss my mom. If this year made me realize one thing, just like how much I had taken for granted my parents, especially because I had this bit of a clash with the host mom, it was a different kind of taking care of someone. My host mom is still one of the most thoughtful and protective persons that I know, But her way of protecting you, her way of safeguarding you was just so different and so raw and so direct compared to how my mom would be. When I was sick, I was sick many, many times. With my host mom, I had that person who was taking care of me. She was doing everything that she could do to make me feel better. But it's just like the way that it was expressed, the way that it was delivered to me was just so different from what I was used to. So I was having a hard time with that. And... To be reunited with my mom after all that I had been through, I was like, oh, I just missed you so much. I you don't you don't think you can miss a person that much. Got to spend these two three days together, see around Vegas, but I think the both of us didn't like it very much. My mom couldn't understand it because Vegas is just the epitome of creating a reality out of absolutely nothing. Like there's no culture, there's no history to it. We went for like a couple of shows in Vegas and a couple of restaurants. And my mom was then set to leave. The last day before she left, I had really a hard time trying to explain to her how I was feeling and that I was scared that things weren't going amazingly. I didn't want the moment to end. I didn't want to go back to that reality that was my reality. On the one hand, I was super proud because seeing my parents come here and seeing my host parents talking about me and talking to them the way that they did it made me realize that i was still doing something right that they were proud of me and it made me realize like wow i've been, I've been here for six months and I, i'm doing this I've, I've done it i've done already so much but at that moment you're just like you see pitch black you don't manage to understand how much you you've accomplished so you're still in that space i say it is a pivotal moment because it was a turning point in that sense To make me realize how much I had actually done. And how enormous it was in comparison to what I would have done back home. I had put myself out there so much. I had been so much more open and jolly. And I would express myself so much more. That had taken up my parents by surprise as well. Just seeing this person with this different accent. Obviously the accent was a lot more Americanized as well. Showing them the school, joking with everyone, talking to everyone, knowing everyone. I think they were very... I, I wonder, I never really asked my parents what they thought of me when they saw me in that moment. Like we always discussed about the year abroad in general, but not about that. It was a pivotal moment because I was terrified. I had heard that... Remember also my coordinator told me this. This is something that can potentially make or break your year abroad. You can either leave your parents with this newfound confidence in yourself, in what you have accomplished so far, and you feel recharged and you feel ready to continue with your year abroad and be able to make the best out of it. Or you can leave from it crushed, just feeling that that is your real life that is waiting for you at back home and you decided to do this and then you start asking yourself, why did I do this? Why did I put myself in this position? And you feel horrible. There's no way to know. We were both going to the airport and then my dad had arranged for a family friend to drive down. They were in Vegas and they were going down to my town anyways and so we drive to the airport and the drive to the airport was probably the most depressing thing that I had ever done. We were both super sad that we had to leave each other at the end of the day. A week is not enough but then at the same time longer would have been more complicated because I had no break at that point. They had to wait for Christmas to see me. I feel like I was losing a member of my family, but in the sense like I was never going to see them again. To me, it was impossible to quantify the time that would have separated us seeing each other again. To me, it just felt horrible and I felt, Oh God, I'm just going to go back to this. Why the hell did I do it? It's going to be pretty bad. Now I have nothing else to look forward to, because until I had that, I felt different. And given that I was reacting so badly, given that we were both so sad, we were both crying... I thought back to what they had told me, the make or break it moment, and I was thinking, okay, I am broken. I will go back to my year abroad, feeling like I have failed and and what is gonna happen at that point? Like am I gonna do I wanna go back? I never got to the point where I really, really, really considered going back. I never had that level of discomfort, no one was mean to me, no one was bad, I nothing was going wrong. But I just felt so, so tired of trying to be this person. And I had created a different persona when I was there. And I had started to realize that there was no way that I could keep up this persona. It was still part of me, but I think the overexcitement of being able to take out this part of you that is not really you or that has always been hidden for me, I believe that this part of me, this extroverted part of this very introverted person has always existed. I just didn't find a way to take it out. Then you go to the States, which is a place where everything is over the top. Everything is said out loud. Everything is super direct. There's no sugarcoating things. And I feel like that little tiny extroverted personality was literally like pushed out of me with this really brute force. I remember back also at moments where we would be driving in a car with other friends and it would put on music and it would just like start singing out loud and start dancing and I could not do that I just remember I used to feel so uncomfortable I would see them all doing it and I would be like oh god I cannot know and I would like slowly slowly start to sing and then it started singing louder and then I started singing louder and I started dancing and then I started like pulling down the window and one would get to like a a stoplight and start singing with the people in the other car it was a gradual thing but still Huge, huge steps in such a short amount of time from someone who was so shy and felt so overlooked. When we say goodbye, I get into the car with this lady. I don't think I'd ever felt that bad in my life. I think, okay, it's going to be an hour and a half drive. I'm just going to put on my headphones, listen to music, cry in the back. I don't give a damn what she thinks. I don't want to speak to anyone, I just want to go home, I want to sleep, this is shit, why the hell did I do it, this is, uh, oh god, I really hope that I doesn't get to the point where I feel like I need to go home, what if I need to go home, I really hope I doesn't get that bad. And I get in the car and then the lady, she was a bit, she's like, hey, are you okay? And I was like, no, not really. You know when you when you have an idea of how your day is supposed to go, and you get so pissed and you're like, no, this is how it's going to be, and you're so determined to fulfill that vision of yourself? She just gently started asking questions. She was just saying, Hi, hey, how are you doing? Oh yeah, I know your father because of this and that. So you are in their family. Oh, that's great. Well What are you doing? Like all these like general questions. And I was like, oh my god, lady, just let me be. I don't want to do this. I just want to be, I just want to be mad. <laughs> and she just started asking a bit more questions and a bit more questions and a bit more questions. And I started talking a little bit. I had my, my feelings I could feel, and I could feel my tears that are coming out. And I was like, oh, I'm just a bit sad because my, I just said bye to my mom. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's okay. And just that kind of like encouragement to be able to express your feelings. I break down. I start crying so bad. The pivotal moment wasn't only seeing my parents. The pivotal moment was saying goodbye to my parents. The pivotal moment was that ride from Las Vegas to my town. Because in that moment, that was the epitome of what the States represented to me. That lady who did not know me, a complete stranger who, in enormous circumstances, just had to drive me home. Nothing more was expected of her. And yet, she had no issues taking that weight off of me. She didn't feel uncomfortable with someone that she didn't know, so young, so different from her, expressing her feelings. She allowed me to take that all out and she just shared that moment with me she allowed me completely to vent to open up and that trip that was supposed to be as i considered, the movie trip no that pivotal moment where everything goes bad and you look out of the window that's what i was expecting to do that trip ended up being the drive that really made me realize that everything was truly going to be okay That person represented everything that I had done already so far. The fact that I was opening up to someone that I didn't even know, and the fact that there was someone who was willing to take on that emotional labor for me as well, and allow me to express myself to that point, is exactly the reason why I wanted to come here in the first place. And it made me realize that I had already done so much, and that it was possible, as long as I started to talk about my problems. Because up until that point, I had not expressed my... Problems to my host family, to my friends, to my family back at home. So during that trip, I had just started to tell to my mom, listen, things aren't going that great. I don't know how I feel about this. And then I said, how do I expect to create relationships with people if I don't tell them what is going on? If I'm not communicating these problems, how do I expect to be able to create some like long lasting friendships? To me also, this thing was like, I wanted to be remembered. I was terrified that I was not going to make my mark. I don't really know when this started or how this started, but to me, once I started to realize that I was seen as the exchange student, as one like many others, I would remember teachers and friends recalling past exchange students because they had a, around four exchange students a year. I remember thinking, no, I want it to be more than this. I don't want it to be just an exchange year for the sake of the exchange year. This year is changing me entirely. It's making me become, it's allowing me to be a different person that I maybe I felt that I could not be back home. So for me, it cannot just be that. So it had gotten from the thing that was like blocking me from the 10 feet of crap moment to this opportunity that I had. And I started suddenly to be very aware that I had half a year left, and that possibly once I would have gone back home, it would have gone all back to how it was before. And that thought started to scare the shit out of me, because I did not want to be that person anymore. I felt like I had finally found my voice, my way to express myself, and so the idea that then I would have gone home and it would have been back to square one was really, really, really scaring me. It was kind of like a big, huge slap in the face, and i woken up altogether. I came back home, said goodbye to the lady. I wish I remembered her name, my God. And then when I saw that, I was like, I want to be that person as well. I want to be that person that is remembered. I want to be that person that has a relationship with their family, with these friends, that years from now still talks to them. And it kind of makes me smile to think that today I had like a two-hour call with this friend that I hadn't spoken to in so long. We started reminiscing about the year abroad, about the people there, and I felt like I was just one of the many students that went to that high school. It wasn't me, the exchange student. So everything comes out when it's meant to come out, I guess. I came back home determined to really make the most out of it. And... That effectively concludes the crisis period. The moment of many, 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 many Skype calls with the other exchange students on a Saturday night because we didn't have anyone to go out with. The many moments of feeling inadequate or not understanding if someone was interested in wanting to be friends with you or not. The many moments of loneliness. The true, true loneliness. A level of loneliness that was never felt before. But also, I think, the realization that... The worst outcome has materialized and still you managed, you survived, you managed to have that entire moment to yourself and to get through that moment. I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Now we're at the beginning of February. I am in full acceptance that I want to settle in, that I can settle in, that it has already done so much to me and that now I really want to put all my effort into the rest of it. With the end of the culture shock, with the end of the crisis, the true crisis, we get to this slow, slow recovery. And I think I should end it here. Every single time I am so ready and I'm so sure that I will be able to manage to do it all in one go. And I never do. I don't know why I keep believing that I will be able to do this when clearly I am meant to speak over and over again. And this is a very cathartic moment to be able to finally say it all and reminisce and say it my way is beautiful, so I don't give a damn. Probably it will be five, six parts at this point, I don't know. But thank you so much for joining me on this difficult step. And I promise that from here it does get better. <laughs> these are the defining ones, these are the defining moments, and I'm so glad that I'm giving them the visibility that they deserve. Plus, this was a pro tip. We had realized that the exchange students that were posting the most pictures... We had realized that there was a direct correlation between the number of posts on Facebook or Instagram and the level of unhappiness that that exchange student was feeling. So we were seeing that the ones that were posting all the time, statuses on Facebook pictures, updates, whatever, were the ones that were feeling the most miserable. <laughs> and and the exchange students who basically disappeared, just went off the radar for a year, were the ones that had the most amazing time. This is a theory that we developed from the ones that we've seen up until that point. It seemed to be true, especially like, I remember that in this time period, I was posting a lot because I had nothing else to do. and I was feeling so bad. And then the moments that I had some really nice times. Obviously, you want to hashtag it for the gram but um, I was also really enjoying it so let me know if you think that this theory is, is right or not but I would be interested in in hearing your your point of view it's super nice to hear from exchange students it's super nice to hear that the listeners are able to picture this this experience that I'm presenting to you and I hope I will be able to talk about the next one the next steps in the same way and now we're finally getting to the lighter moments and other beautiful landmarks of this year abroad thank you so much for listening and see you next time